first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kyla, from Boston, Massachusetts. Today, we'll be talking about Mission Impossible, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, The Miracle Club, and The League. First up, we'll be reviewing Mission Impossible with Race and Zoe. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Pretty good. What about you, Zoe? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. So, Race, to get us started, what are your overall thoughts on this film? My thoughts is that this is one of the best entries in the franchise by far. It takes its action sequences to a whole nother level and the casting was just perfect. Oh, that's great. Sometimes like sequels can be a little bit disappointing after like a great original, but it's good to know that it's continuing to get better. So Zoe, can you tell us a little bit about the storyline of this film? Absolutely. So the film opens with Ethan Hunt, played by Tom Cruise, and his team who are trying to track down the second half of a key. Many other people are also after the same parts of the key, but nobody knows exactly what it unlocks. And this scary weapon has really the power to control the entire world. So the fate of whoever the key goes to is super important. And the entire film showcases the journey in tracking down the key and the super scary obstacles that everybody goes through. Wow, that sounds like a good story with a lot of action. (laughs) So, Race, do you think that there is enough action and new material to keep the film moving the entire time? Um, Yes, uh, I believe that there's plenty of action uh, all throughout the entire film. There's mainly three big different big action sequences and they all handle themselves very well. And I was quite surprised by that. Nice. So, Zoe, do you think you need to see the other Mission Impossible movies to understand and fully enjoy this one? No, actually, I haven't seen any of the franchise. Like, I was not familiar with any of it, so I went into this film not having any context. And, of course, I believe that if you have seen the other films, that uh, certain plots and elements of the plot might be a lot more exciting for the viewer, but... From someone who hasn't, I thought it was super clear, everything. Wow, that's impressive. Like, usually if, if you go into, like, a sequel and you didn't see the original, it's, like, super confusing. But that's good that you can just go right into it. So, Race, did you see the other Mission Impossible movies prior to watching this one? I only saw the last film. And this, again, this movie does a great job for beginners who want to get into the franchise. It felt very, like, conclusive. And it didn't leave any open-ending questions for new beginners. So, Zoe, what character or scene is most relatable to you and why? That's a good question. You see, I think that uh, Haley Atwell, who plays Grace, has such good chemistry with Tom Cruise throughout the entire film, and I love their relationship. And the cast of this film really is something that I admire. I also really like the duo with Simon Pegg as Benji Dunn and Ving Rhames as Luther Stickle because I think they're just fascinating actors and they work so well together on the big screen. Yeah, it's really nice when actors have good chemistry because that usually results in you being like viewers being able to relate to the characters and that just makes it so much more engaging and entertaining. So Zoe, how are the special effects, if any, in this film? I think they were great. I think Tom Cruise is really one of those actors who goes above and beyond in his films, wanting to give the audience like the best performance possible. And I think Mission Impossible is this one especially is a reason to go to the theater 
And it's, it's, it delivers a wow factor 100%. I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone has seen the scene at this point where he's jumping off the cliff on the motorcycle and he had to probably do that at least seven times. And that was all him. It was pure acting. Yeah. Having good special effects kind of just gives a film that extra push to be above and beyond. So race, if you could have any role on or off camera in this film, what would it be and why? I would love to be the cinematographer. I mean, there's a lot of shots that I like and being able to work with someone as amazing as Tom Cruise who does his own stunts. I mean, I could get really into the camera and just get some amazing shots of him again, going off the mountain with the motorcycle. I think that would just be phenomenally fun. Yeah, that would be so fun. It just goes to show because you and Zoe had like different answers. She would be more interested in like being part of the cast. You'd be more interested in being part of the crew. So it just goes to show like how amazing this film is and how much fun it would be to work on it in any way, shape or form. So Zoe, were there any aspects of the film that didn't quite meet your expectations? Well, again, I went into this film not really expecting much. I regret this now, of course, but I remember telling my mom like, oh, I'm not really sure if I want to see this, but it's one of my favorites of the year and I think a great part of this film is that you were even though it's like around two hours as the other films are it's like the most captivating two hours that you could possibly imagine I mean 50% of this film this is kind of what I was saying in my review though is it's pure acting and the other 50% is just the stunts and I think the balance of that makes it super engaging as a viewer. So Zoe, you've mentioned how the chemistry and the acting is great, but are there any specific acting performances that you'd shout out after seeing this film? I can't exactly remember. That's what I love about this film too, that I don't think I necessarily have a favorite moment of any part because the whole the film as a whole really is so enjoyable to watch. Wow, that's amazing. So Race, what is your age recommendation and star rating of Mission Impossible? I'd recommend this for ages 12 to 18 plus, and I gave it a four out of five stars. And Zoe, what are your age recommendation and star rating? I also gave it a 12 to 18 and adults as well, and I loved it. I gave it a five out of five. And Race, where and when can we watch Mission Impossible? Because after these reviews, I definitely want to go see it. This film releases in theaters in July 12, 2023, and you can find it in any theater near you. Okay, I'll definitely go check it out. It sounds amazing. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Race and Zoe. Thank you. Thank you so much. You were listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Now let's take a listen to Micah as she interviews Bentley Griffin, the voice actor for Lincoln Loud in Disney Channel's The Loud House. Hi, I'm Micah reporting for Kids First, and today I had the pleasure of speaking with Bentley Griffin, who plays Lincoln on Nickelodeon's The Loud House. The hit show is having a road trip special that releases on July 14th, 2023. Bentley is a young actor known for playing Angel in the film Bell. Now we are talking about his role as Lincoln on the Loud House road trip. Thank you for talking with me today, Bentley. So first, voicing Lincoln is a fairly new experience for you. What have you found to be the most interesting part of playing a character as upbeat and clever as Lincoln? Well, uh, first of all, it's been an amazing experience. You know, I've loved every second of it. And um, to play Lincoln, it's just such such a f- fun thing. Um, it, it's really a part of me. It's like really a part of my life now. And, you know, uh, Lincoln in his upbeat, like, you know, positive personality, that's really brought out like that in myself. And um, so, yeah, Lincoln has been a in- big influence on me. It, I mean, he's changed me for the better. And, yeah, I, I've enjoyed um, playing him. There are typically two episodes in one. What's the recording process like for you? 
I, it depends on, you know, what the day is like. Sometimes I record multiple episodes. Sometimes I go in and record one ADR line. But um, no matter how much I record, it's always such an amazing experience that, you know, I'll have with me for the rest of my life. And, you know, after school, there's a lot of uh, prep that goes into it. You know, I, I read all of my lines before, you know, get ready so I can be the best Lincoln that I can possibly be. Yeah, I mean, it must be kind of interesting to, you know, have to switch kind of the experiences that Ling is going through in each time you record. Like you said, you come and do one ADR recording or you come and do two episodes in one. So do you think that you like focusing on one episode or you like having a lot to focus on in being Lincoln? I mean, I just focus on Lincoln as a whole. I mean, as all of it, it's awesome. And, you know, when I first got Lincoln, I was going into middle school as as he was. So it was really such a relatable character. You know, all the experience that experiences that he was having at middle school, you know, I was also having that really got me like a great connection with the character. Um, And so it is really awesome to see how much that this show is real. It's, it's a part of people's lives. I mean, I've seen people who are, are crazy about this show and it's um, really awesome and really fun to be this character. That is so great. It's so great that people can relate to these characters. And you said that you related to Lincoln in the first place because you were going into middle school. So how do you think other audiences will relate to Lincoln like you do? You know, like you mentioned before, Lincoln has such an upbeat personality. He's optimistic. He's clever. Uh, he's the man with the plan. He's um, just an outright I- extraordinary character. And, you know, all the life experiences that he's going through. I mean, I don't know anybody who has actual uh, 10 sisters in real life, but I, I know for sure that there are people who feel the same way as Lincoln do. People going into middle school, people having the same experiences, people as adventurous and clever as Lincoln so I really think, you know, that there is a lot of relation to this character who's just such a big part of everything, in my opinion. That's so great. I've been watching The Loud House for a while now, too. So it's great to be able to talk to the person who's playing Lincoln now, taking on such an important character. Thank you. It is it is really fun. What's one of the most challenging parts of playing Lincoln? Uh, for me, I, I, I something that was unique about the time that I played this role, going into Lincoln, COVID happened, and, you know, there just wasn't a connection. You know, I, I, I've met Asher Bishop, um, the who, who played Lincoln before me, and, you know, he told me of all the times that he got to go in and do ensemble records with the whole cast, and COVID, you know, of, of course, ruined that for me. So there wasn't that same experience, and it was just kind of, like, distanced. But, you know, eventually, lately, if I've gotten to be able to um, meet my cast members, um, be more in the room, people actually in the edit bay, you know, talking to me. Um, I, I met uh, the person who plays Clyde McBride, Jaden White, who's a very good friend of mine. Yeah, having a relationship with your cast is definitely important. But kudos to you and the rest of the cast, because you can't even really tell that you guys weren't in the same room together. You can just feel the connection between the characters. Yeah, it is um, a great connection. What message do you hope audiences will take away from this special? Um, Yeah, I think the whole premise is to just really be adventurous. I mean, a lot of COVID really put us on the on the screens. And um, I I really think, you know, school on the screens was really um, I mean, it was kind of sad. And I think this show is to really get people out there to, like, look around at the world you have 
Um, they, they go to all kinds of places and to like be patient with your family. I know they're, they're stuck in a RV with, um, one boy, 10 girls and, and their parents, uh, and they really learn to be patient with each other. Um, they, they go all over. So yeah, be, be adventurous. That's, that's the message. I hope that it conveys. That's a great message. And it's great that you got to visit all those places. I'm sure that makes it feel so surreal to be in Washington, DC, which is one of the places they were in. Yes, it's so cool. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me today. And everyone, make Thank sure you. you watch the Loud House Road Trip Special. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Bentley. You can catch the Loud House Road Trip Special on Nickelodeon on July 14th, 2023. Make sure you check it out. I'm Micah reporting for Kids First. Make sure you like and subscribe to our channel so you don't miss my next interview. See you next time. Let's take a break. I'm Kyla from Boston, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hi, I'm your host, Ashley Clyde, reporting for Kids First. We have the pleasure of speaking with the talented young actor and voice actor, Jonas Cabri. Jonas has already made a name for himself in Hollywood with his impressive list of credits, including his roles in Obi-Wan Kenobi, also in Blood Moon, Netflix's Sweet Tooth, and many more. Today, we'll be discuss- discussing his upcoming role in the new Disney Pixar film, Elio. In this highly anticipated Pixar film, Elio, he plays Elio. It releases March 1st, 2024. Welcome to the show, Yanas. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, congratulations on landing this role as Elio in this um, Disney Pixar film. How did you react when you first found out about getting the role? So funny story, when I first got the role, it was me and my dad actually uh, driving to another voiceover recording. And 
Um, before I got the role, I was doing Scratch for Elio. And if you don't know what Scratch is, it's basically the temporarily voice, temper, sorry, temporarily voice for uh, Elio until they find like who they want uh, to play Elio. So I was doing that and I got a call from Mary Alice Drum, who's the producer of Elio. And me and my dad, we pulled up into this little strip mall area. And when she was talking to us, she said, we would like to give you the role for Elio. And I was so hyped, I was super excited. And in that little strip mall, there was a, a restaurant called Olga's Kitchen. And in the movie, um, my mom, uh, in Elio, my mom's name is Olga. So that was a very funny <laughs> experience. Awesome. And um, Elio promises to take us on this whirlwind adventure in the trailer. So what was your initial reaction when you read the script and discovered all the twists and turns in the story? Well, when I first got the script, I was immediately so drawn into the script because it was so, so interesting. And as you can see in your background, just the the cover looks so cool. Like I'm getting swept up into space. <laughs> and it was just a really cool script. And I thought it was really special. And it was going to be such a fun experience. I thought I could pull it off. Interesting. So how did you find how do you find time to pursue all your other interests and hobbies while juggling your busy schedule? On set, uh, I usually have to do school as well. So I'd have to maybe do four hours of school every day. And use, there's a lot of breaks in when it comes to like also live acting. Uh, for example, Pretty Freaking Scary. When we're recording, we have to do our school first. And then there's maybe like an hour or two before we actually start to get to rehearsal or recording. So uh, I usually bring all of my things. Like I love to yo-yo. And my nickname is actually Yo-Yo, which is funny. <laughs> I also like to skateboard and there was a little uh, like outside uh, like walkway and I would just skate there and some of the kids on Pretty Freaking Scary actually like to skate as well so I would skate with them and yeah for that two hours I really just get to do kind of whatever I want all of my hobbies so I wouldn't say it's too hard to divide my time between acting and my hobbies. And how do you resonate with your character, Elio? Is there anything that you have in common, maybe hobbies or aspects that you also find challenging or intriguing? Elio, well, I can't really say much, but um, Elio is a little bit more of a shy, uh, more intimidating like kid. And he isn't as maybe outgoing or as does as many things uh, as I would do, I would say, like I... I love to do dares with my friends, for example. I feel like Elio would be that one kid who's kind of a little bit more low-key. But in some ways, I can't really say much about it because the movie's not out yet. But I feel like I can relate to him in some ways. Being an actor has its own unique rewards. What is your favorite part about being an actor? And what keeps you motivated during in this industry? Yeah, just meeting uh, new people. Like I said, I made lots of friends on Sweet Tooth. And also, depending on where the show is filming, like Sweet Tooth was filming in New Zealand. So that's an amazing reward because I've never been to New Zealand before. And we were there for about six months. So I got to go in different islands in New Zealand, meet a lot of new people in New Zealand. So those are some, some fun rewards that you get. 
Awesome. And my last question for you is what do you hope audiences will take away from watching Elio? Um, they will take away to, you know, be yourself. Don't let other people um, tell you or how, how to be you. And also to, you know, take risks in life because you only live once. Like I said, Elio went up to space and said he was the leader of Earth. So, yeah, just positive things like that. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Mission Impossible, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, The Miracle Club, and The League. Right now we're talking to Ari about Miracle Club. Hi, Ari. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Kyla? Good. So what are your overall thoughts on this film? I absolutely loved it. Um, all of like the actors and actresses were absolutely stunning. Oh my gosh, you should have seen the scenery. Oh, that was magnificent. Wow, it sounds like this film really checked all the boxes. Yeah, it really did. So can you tell us a little bit about the storyline of the Miracle Club? So the storyline takes place in 1967 in both Dublin, Ireland and Lourdes, France with um, three women, um, Eileen, played by Kathy Bates, Lily by Maggie Smith, and Dolly by Agnes McCasey. And they're three women who are trying to participate in a talent show to win tickets to Lourdes, France. And then unexpectedly, um, the daughter of Eileen's and Lily's late friend, Chrissy, played by Laura Lenny, shows up for the funeral of her mother. And while Chrissy's grieving, she finds her mother's voucher for the Lourdes and decides to join the three women. And together they experience the ups and downs of friendship and life. And even though they go to the Lords for different reasons, they all have one thing in common, which is to pray for a miracle. So do you have a favorite character or moment from the Miracle Club? Honestly, I'm kind of biased. So I have to go with Lily Maggie Smith because she's kind of like me, that she can like struggle with some things, but she'll always know how to make those around her happy. And she's very sarcastic. And I just love Maggie Smith in general, like from Harry Potter. So what is the message that viewers should take away from this film? The message is that miracles do happen, although they do take some time to occur. And you should just wait patiently because they're going to happen. Yeah, that's a good message. <laughs> if you could speak with anyone who helped work on this film, whether they were on or off camera, who would it be and why? I would talk to maybe the director or the cinematographer maybe but if it had to be from the cast I would definitely go with um Agnes O'Casey who played Dolly because when because she's I'm gonna assume an up and rising actress I haven't seen her in many shows and I would just kind of ask her what it was like to work with all of these legends yeah definitely I think that talking with anyone who worked on a major film or tv show is just it's such an amazing opportunity and I love it every time I do too so You've mentioned some of the acting is good. So were there any performances that you think were just like outstanding that you'd like to mention? I definitely mentioned, um, I'm go I keep going back to this, the talent show to win the tickets to the Lords. Um, I did not expect Maggie Smith to actually be like a backup singer. And I absolutely love Kathy Bates' voice in there. Um, it was just really fun to watch. And there's also another scene where um, when four women are at the bathhouse um lily fox hears eileen scream 
And when the nun comes out and says they're ready for Lily, she replies, well, I'm not, which was kind of funny since that's like kind of my type of humor. Yeah, I feel like any funny moment, especially when you're not expecting it, is just a great break from any, you know, more serious tone that might be happening. It's just always nice to have. That's what I always think, too. So what were some of your favorite settings or locations? I liked both the main settings, Dublin and Lord's France, because they're just both so tranquil and they just like, it's so calm, especially that it was like um, late 60s. It just looked amazing. And I really, that made me really want to go visit both of those places. Yeah, it's always so cool when you watch a film and then you learn something about a place or it takes place in a certain location and then you want to learn more and you want to go there. It's always just a cool effect. So what is your age recommendation and star rating for The Miracle Club? I give The Miracle Club five out of five stars and recommend it for ages 12 to 18 plus adults. Um, I just want it to be aware that there's partial nudity miscarriage and abortion references, slight suicide references, and some profanity. But otherwise, it's absolutely amazing. Go watch it. Okay, thanks for the heads up, and I definitely want to watch that. So where and when can we watch The Miracle Club? Uh, The Miracle Club, it releases in select local theaters on July 14th, 2023. Uh, I will definitely check it out. Thank you so much for talking with me today. No problem. It was nice talking to you, Kyla. Let's take a break. I'm Kyla from Boston, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Kyla from Boston, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Mission Impossible, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken, The Miracle Club, and The League. Next up, we'll be talking with our new Kids First film critic reporter, Valerie. Hi, Valerie. How are you doing today? Hi. Thank you, Kyla. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. So to start us off, could you tell us a little bit about how you learned about the Kids First program? 
I learned about this Kids First program through an app called Kids Casting. I always wanted oh. to become a actor, so this was my first step into making it. Yeah, definitely. That's how I started off, too, actually. <laughs> so how has your experience at Kids First been so far? Honestly, it's been great. It's helped me so much in writing with these past few reviews I've been doing, and it's made me a better speaker. Recently, I did a speech for my salutatorian speech in eighth grade, and it was amazing. I did not stutter not once, and I loved it. Yeah, that's amazing. I agree that like doing reviews, doing interviews, everything, doing the podcast has just taught me so much um, and has made me such like a better speaker, a better writer. It is just I've grown so much since I've been a part of this program. So have you had an assignment yet? And if so, what have some of them been? I'm currently working on an assignment about a film called The Furry Fortune. Yeah, that's cool. Is that a movie or a TV show? It is a film that will be released. Um, not sure when. I'm still working on the, writing the review. Has anything surprised you so far throughout your experience in the program? Something that surprised me is the way that these kids talk. I know they're my age and some may be like 10, but their vocabulary is just extremely like incredible. And I love that. Yes. When I first joined the program, I was like shocked at like how these kids that were like younger than me had all these words. I didn't even know what I what they meant. So I had to like do some research on some uh, film and TV show vocabulary so I could kind of hang with them. (laughs) Right. Like I will be reading these reviews that these amazing kids have been posting on the kids first. And I'm just like, wow, this is incredible. Yeah, there are so many talented kids as a part of the Kids First team. You included. Thank you. You too. So what are you most looking forward to as a member of the Kids First Film Critics team? Just really going into the entertainment industry and reporting for the, the junkets and the premieres and also just writing a lot of reviews and bettering my writing. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely... Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, Going in, I definitely was like, I hope that not only do I like have a fun time and get to do all these things, but I'm also able to grow as a person, as a speaker, as a writer, like with throughout all the experiences I get to do as a member of the Kids First team. So do you, uh, what are some of the interesting things that you've learned throughout your Kids First training? Something interesting is that I'm doing this whole experience has made me look at movies in a critical matter and not just watching a movie yeah I definitely agree with that I feel like before I joined kids first you know I would notice something sometimes like if there was a really outstanding acting performance or there was super good uh special effects or something but after I joined kids first I really started to look at things differently and think about oh I wonder like how they made that happen and think about like what it would be like to talk or to or interview some of the people that worked on the film or tv show it's definitely just like completely changed my perspective on all types of media right because every movie I watch now I'm just watching the behind the scenes or like how the actor did this or how they shot this scene and the cinematography is awesome. Yes, and I'm always just wondering, oh, I wonder how they did that or um, how they made that happen and always wishing I could talk to some of the people and just, I'm so curious. It's crazy how much my perspective has changed. It's crazy how much work is put into that. You wouldn't think about that as a normal person, but once you start thinking about it critically, it's crazy. 
Yes. So what are some of your favorite films or TV shows? Well, my all-time favorite film is actually a Christmas film, which is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yes, I Why? love that movie. I love that so much because I love how Jim Carrey just brings the characteristics of the Grinch to life. And it's just very funny. And I, it's like an all-time favorite of mine. Yeah, I it isn't like one of my top favorites, but it is definitely up there in terms of Christmas films because it is so fun and it does have such a great message. And I think they did everything like the animation and everything so well on that movie. So uh, we are all very happy to have you join the team and can't wait to work with you in the future. Thank you for talking with me today. Thank you for having me. Of course. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Mission Impossible, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, The Miracle Club, and The League. Right now, we're switching over to review The League with Catherine, Ishan, and Sydney. Hi, how are you all today? Great, I'm doing good. That's great. So, Catherine, to get us started, what are your overall thoughts on this film? I really liked this documentary. Uh, I think it's perfect for people interested in sports uh, and or history. Um, it was very educational, but it also kept me intrigued. And I just learned a lot uh, from this documentary. Yeah, sounds good. So, Ishan, what is the structure of this documentary like? Because I feel like uh, documentaries can really vary from kind of fast paced, slower paced. So what was the structure like? Right. So the league is essentially structured by it. It it gives a broad context of um, black baseball in the 20th century and goes into a couple of profiles of specific individuals who were prominent at the time. Um, and then kind of zooms out and shows the progression of the of the sport over time. Yeah, that sounds like a really good way to kind of capture everything and be able to cover the broader stuff and cover also the more specific stuff. So, Sydney, what person, moment or aspect of this documentary is most relatable to you and why? Um, I would say, I mean, a lot of the athletes, they put a lot of time and effort into the sport they chose. And I relate to that. So um, I would say Hank Aaron and Willie Mays, they're both players and they basically built their life from the ground up. And I think um, that's not only relatable because not everyone's privileged at first, but it's also inspirational. And I think a lot of younger um, people, especially younger athletes, could be inspired because yeah, it's always great when you can relate to a character or moment, and then that person or that moment is also a little bit different from you, so you learn something from them as well. Um, Catherine, what about you? What person, moment, or aspect of this documentary is most relatable to you and why? Well, I really liked when uh, we got to hear all of the um, additional like notes um, of Bob Motley, who was a, um umpire in the Negro League. Um, and he's voiced by uh, Sam Pollard, the director. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because it gives kind of a firsthand um, look into what it was like at the time. And I thought that that was a really cool thing to learn about. Yeah, that does sound interesting. So, um, Sydney, what is the message that viewers should take away from this film? Um, the message that viewers should take away from this film is that passion and stamina are key points, key turning points in achieving your dreams. And like I said earlier, it's just very inspirational. And it also enforces the idea that your ethnicity or what or someone else's opinion about you 
doesn't dictate who you are inside. You dictate yourself. And I think that can really help motivate you through life, through sports, through school, through your passions, through everything. And it's just a message that will take you for the rest of your life. Yeah, that is a very important message. And I think it's so important and it can be applied to every aspect of everyone's lives. And I'm so glad that um, this documentary is covering that and sharing that message with the viewers. Exactly. So, Ishan, were there any aspects of the film that didn't quite meet your expectations? I think it's a fine line with all documentaries. The pacing is always uh, sometimes it's it's a it's a fine line to walk. I think in this case, um, the narrative got a little bit uh, long winded at times um, and the film lost itself in descriptions of individual players. It sometimes was a little hard to maintain the whole big picture view of exactly what was happening with black baseball. Um, but I think the, the crisp visuals, the voiceovers um, and just overall the whole package redeemed it. Um, and so that wasn't that big of an issue at all. Yeah, I agree that uh, documentaries in general can just, yeah, the pacing can vary a lot, but I'm glad that like everything else was good so that it did end up being a good film. So Catherine, are there any TV shows or films that you've seen that are kind of similar to this one that people would like if they enjoy the league? I mean, honestly, any documentary about history, like I, I'm not big into baseball or anything. Um, and I still found this really interesting. Um, so I think any historical documentary, I'm sure there is one that I've seen that I'm forgetting and I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. I did not expect you to remember everything you've ever seen. <laughs> I can give you one name. Yes, that'd be great. Uh, one name that's a little similar. So it's, it's called 42. It's a, it's a sports drama released back. I think like it was probably been 10 years, 2013, I think. Um, but it's about a similar time period. And again, about, um, baseball players kind of defying the color barriers that were in place in the in the field at the time. Yeah, so if someone either watches the league and enjoys that, they could check that out. Or if they've watched that, they should definitely check out the league because it's definitely like related. So Sydney, what is your age recommendation and star rating? Um, my age recommendation for this documentary is ages 12 to 18 plus adults because it's very educational. And I give it 3.5 out of 5 stars. Yeah, and Ishan, what is your age recommendation and star rating? Mine's identical to Sydney's. It's three and a half out of five stars and recommended for ages 12 to 18 plus adults. And Sydney, where and when can we watch The League? So The League released in theaters on July 7th, and it will begin streaming online July 14th, 2023. Yeah, it sounds like a very interesting documentary. Thank you all for talking with me today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank Thanks. Let's take a break. I'm Kyla from Boston, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. 
For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Kyla from Boston, and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Mission Impossible, The Loud House, The Miracle Club, and The League. Next up, we'll be listening to Ishan's interview with Sam Pollard about The League. Hi, I'm Ishan reporting for Kids First, and today I have the opportunity to speak with Emmy and Peabody Award winner and Academy Award nominated director Sam Pollard about his latest film, The League. Mr. Pollard is known for Mr. Soul, Sammy Davis Jr., I've Gotta Be Me, and MLK FBI. <clears throat> Most recently, he directed the documentary The League, releasing July 7th from Magnolia Pictures. The League celebrates the journey of the successes and challenges of Negro League Baseball. Welcome, Mr. Pollard, to the show. Hey, man. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Pretty good. How do you pronounce it? Sean? Yes. Yeah. Nice meeting you. Nice meeting you as well. So just to get started, you've been involved in lots of documentaries in your career. Was there a specific thing about this story that made you think, I have to be a part of this? You know, I'll be quite honest with you, Sean. I mean, I'm African-American, and anytime someone approaches me about something where I can document the African-American experience, I'm always happy to get on board. I mean, unless I don't think there's a way to make it into a good film. So when Byron Molly reached out to me many years ago about this story and about his dad as a, who's a Negro League umpire, I was excited. I mean, I was, you know, first it was an African-American story. Secondly, it was about baseball, which I grew up loving as a young man. And it was about people I knew a little bit about, Satchel Page and Josh Gibson. So all those ingredients made something, made, made it something that I wanted to be attached to. For sure. And I totally understand the importance of the story. And I think you mentioned tangentially, but you're not the only director of the movie, but you're also the voice of, you're not only the director of the movie, but also the voice of the late Negro League umpire author and U.S. Marine Bob Motley, the last living Negro League umpire who passed away in 2017, right at the age of 94. So how did you manage to balance the roles of actor and director? (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say I was an actor, man. I normally, when I'm doing these documentaries and there's some kind of voiceover, I normally do it myself, you know, as in terms of the first pass. And uh, the re- reaction to my voice by my executives was, wow, man, you got a great voice. Maybe you should be the voice of Bob Marley. Now, I was initially reluctant, you know, because, I'm, you know, to me, it was just a scratch track. But the more we talked about it, the more I kept listening to it. And then I knew I would go back into the studio and try to be more articulate. I thought, okay, this is something I could try. You know, I, and, and, you know, between you and me, I mean, not between you and me, but everybody's going to hear this. 
I had always thought about maybe another career was to be a voiceover actor. So I guess this was my test. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, it's it's always great to have more than one. And this is an industry in which you can kind of move around and try things, which is amazing. Sure. Um, and the league uses previously unearthed archival footage and kind of never before seen interviews. Uh, so can you share with us a favorite story that you uncovered in this whole process? There were a couple that were, that were surprising for me that I hadn't really known about. First of all, about I knew who Ruth Foster was tangentially. But to really dig into understanding this was a guy was a phenomenal pitcher. He became a manager, he became an owner. And then in 1920, he had this fantastic idea. Let's start a, a Negro National League of bringing all these different Black-owned teams together, which was really set in motion the Negro Leagues. So that was a new, that was really digging into that story. Another character who I didn't really know much about until we did this film was Effa Manley, who was owner you know, co-owner of the Newark Eagles with her husband, Abe Manley. And this obviously, this lady was phenomenal. She was ferocious. She's in the Hall of Fame. You know, she was someone that there's a mystery surrounding her. Was she a Black woman? Was she a white woman? But she grew up in the Black community. And, you know, she was always fighting for people's rights. I mean, her story about having Black women get hired at Bloomstein is fantastic. Her challenging Branch Rickey, who didn't want to pay the Negro owners compensate the Negro owners for the players he was signing, you know, and she made it a public, had a public outcry about that. So she was another fascinating character. And thirdly, I didn't know until we did the research that Paul Robeson had stepped into this, this difficult fray. And he had went to the, to the, to the white owners and said, you guys should really consider, you know, integrating the major leagues. And that's a new story. I mean, I knew I know a lot about Paul Rosen. I thought I did, but I didn't know this little story about him. So, you know, you always, you always, as a filmmaker and of historical docs, you, you're sort of like an archaeologist where you're sort of digging into something and all of a sudden you find a new, you have a new find. You say, oh my God. And uh, that's one of the wonders and one of the joys of, working on documentaries for me, historical docs. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Mission Impossible, The Last Rider, The Loud House, The Miracle Club, and The League. Right now we're continuing listening to Ishan's interview with Sam Pollard about The League. Amazing. And as a fellow documentarian and also a journalist, I think we share this in common that there's a little bit of that, you know, you're on a little bit of an excavational dig every time that you come up with a new story idea and it is really super special to to find those hidden stories and those those hidden wow moments uh which is which is wonderful always uh, always special and the movie brings together the importance of sports economic prosperity and also civil rights can you talk about how those themes are incorporated in the movie well here's the thing that's always fascinating you know you look at a story if you go, if I go back to when I was a teenager, and uh, what did I learn as a teenager? I learned that in 1947, Jackie Robinson, this African American man, who was a, supposedly a very talented sports person who played football and basketball and baseball, integrated the major leagues. That's all I learned. You know, you know, I knew that he came from some group of guys called the Negro Leagues, but we didn't really go into detail. Now, here we are, we fast forward almost 50 years later, 
And now I learned not only about the fact that Jackie Robinson integrated the major leagues, but that the Negro League team that he came from, Kansas City, was a part of a group of teams all across the country. The Pittsburgh Crawfords, you know, the Newark Eagles, the Homestead Grays, you know, the Baltimore Elite Giants. And all these teams and these owners who own these teams were in Black communities that were segregated where Black people had to survive on their own. They had to create their own forms of entertainment. They had to create their own forms of, you know, buying clothes and buying food. They had to have their own funeral parlors. So it was was within these self-contained segregated communities, businesses thrived, thrived. You know, and that's the only way they were going to survive because they couldn't go outside to the white world. So you, we learned that Negro Leagues was probably a part of the economic engine of these communities. You know, people would go to games on the evening or on the weekends, you know, day games, and they would spend their money. And that money would get circulated, you know, by the owners back to the, into the community. So they were part of this sort of economic sort of stability of these communities back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. But then you also learn that there was a downside to Jackie Robinson integrating the major leagues. What happened? All of a sudden, major league owners, white owners, saw that, okay, maybe there's more than just Jackie Robinson. So they really started to pilfer the Negro leagues and people like, you know, Larry Doby and Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and Ernie Banks and others who were in Negro League team on Negro League teams got pulled into the major leagues. And what happened? That caused the Negro League teams to suffer. And the same thing that was happening, not only in baseball, was happening in other parts of the black community because the civil rights movement, where Dr. King and others were saying, we don't want to be treated, we don't no longer want to be treated as second-class citizens meant that integration was going to happen. And it's by the late 50s and the early 60s, integration started to happen in the way that these self-contained, segregated communities, Black communities, began to suffer. So sort of a double-edged sword. We wanted integration, but at what price? I really appreciate that context, and that definitely, you know, sets up a lot of what, uh, of, of the of the world the film takes takes place in. And also the world that I feel like we don't hear enough about, which um, I think it's going to be really, really rewarding for all the viewers uh, of the league to see more about 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 this story. So thank you so much, Mr. Pollard, for chatting with me today. And to all of our viewers, be sure to watch the league when it releases in theaters on July 7th, 2023. Thanks so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press4Kids, KidsWorld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. I'm Kyla from Boston, Massachusetts, reporting for Kids First. Bye. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode and tune in again next week.